welcome to Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where we connect Pacific Northwest authors with new listeners and provide advice for inspiring authors on the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter. podcast listeners. Thanks so much for coming back. And today I have the pleasure of introducing you to Bill Alton. So Bill, would you like to say hi to the listeners? Hi. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah. So Bill, first let's do a little bit of introductions. Tell um, the listeners what state in the Pacific Northwest you are living in. And it's a two-part question. And um, what your day job is, because you know we're talking a little bit about that. So what is that um, besides doing your writing? I live in Oregon, uh, Northwest Oregon. <clears throat> My day job, well, I have two day jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the school year, I work as a, a behavior aide in a school with uh, at-risk youth. And then in the evening, I manage a transitional uh, housing uh, complex for adults with mental illness. Oh, wow. Wow. That's fantastic. Very self-giving work for you. (laughs) So fantastic. And so um, I always ask authors this kind of right up front. It's the stumper question um, because I didn't prepare you for it. But what's something you would like your new readers, somebody that doesn't know you that's listening to this, what's one thing you'd like them to know about you before they start getting to know you when they read your stuff? Uh, One thing I... Try to, I guess, whenever I meet anyone new, is to uh, uh, know that. I guess I kindness. I, I'm trying to put kindness out in the world, and so although my writing does tend to be dark, I, I want uh, people to know that it's coming from a point, uh, a place of trying to uh, get inside someone else's head and have the empathy of. Mm-hmm a different person and that's what I try to do personally as well as artistically oh I love that and I think that's a very valuable um, thing to share with everybody in this world is to show empathy and kindness around you know what people are going through if we could just all try to put ourselves in other people's shoes we right. may be a much better society right yeah <laughs> yeah so fantastic so let's talk a little bit about your work um, I was doing some reading of how your work was originally started do you mind sharing that with us how you got started writing or you know, particularly the two works that you were going to talk about today? Uh, the book that I, I am talking about today uh, is the, uh, titled uh, A Comfortable Madness. Um, it came out of it. It was funny. Is I'm a big fan of mythology and theology and uh, different religions. And I was thinking about um, the myth of Eros and Psyche and at the same time, I was reading a uh, book by Tim Powers titled uh, "The Stress of Her Regard," and it's how, which is a vampire story. So I, I developed this story about uh, for a comfortable madness about this character who has a person in her life uh, who is only she can see, oh. and that was the the myth of Eros and Psyche that came from where uh, Eros took Psyche. Uh, into the mountains, uh, gave her a huge castle, but no one believed that she could see him. Mm-hmm. So this story, uh, I the main character is schizophrenic, and no one believes this person that 
is in her life, who is in her dream, and creating problems is real. They just say, oh, that's your illness, that's your illness, that's your illness. And then uh, as the story goes on, we find out that it's not just your illness. And my whole purpose behind it, uh, outside of the uh, the activism of saying, hey, uh, schizophrenia is real, mental health is real, the stigma is, I wanted to address that. But I also wanted people to say perception is reality. Just because I don't see something that you see or don't experience something that other people experience doesn't mean that that is not real. Absolutely lovely. I, I, I think that's a brilliant premise for a book. And it's also incredibly relevant because so many of us, um, we don't know who is suffering from mental illness oftentimes. And so when people do finally come out and talk about it, sometimes they get such a terrible stigma added to it and it it's, um, causes more suffering. So I applaud you for writing this. This is fantastic. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, so Bill, tell me um, kind of a little bit, um, where do you put this as far as the book and what genre is it in? I, I call it a young adult novel uh, because the character is a high school age uh, uh, a girl. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and this character, it's kind of funny as I loaded this character up. The one thing I've heard from a lot of people who have read the book is, boy, you gave that girl a lot of problems. No, but, they, but so many of our kids have problems. <laughs> right. And, and, and I based it on actually a car- uh, student I have in the school. Um, and uh, just to tell you a little bit about uh, the characters, uh, she's a large girl. She's in my head. I imagined her over six foot tall. I imagined her over 200 pounds uh, and she's a lesbian and she's a dancer and she does all this stuff. And she's just by dent of physical attributes. She's an outcast. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I wanted to write from that point of view, but like I said, uh, uh, and I've kind of forgotten the question, but oh. this, I actually have a care, uh, student at work who uh, is similar to this. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I wanted people to see that the outcasts are people too. Absolutely. I love it. Well, you answered the question right out of the bat was what I asked was what genre you would put this book in. So it was right. a young adult. So perfect fitting and an absolutely great audience for either, you know, adults and young adults, because I, I currently have two grown daughters and um, walked through with them all of the aspects of becoming females in this society and going through all the horrible hardships that go along with that. And even males suffer from what society expects out of them and um, have plenty of their friends that we've lived through and, and helped that have gone through situations where they are the outcast, you know? So I think this is a brilliant, brilliant idea. Great book. I'm excited for you to read. Are you reading from that today from a fantastic? Good. So, Tell me a little bit about the publishing process for you. Are you self-published? Are you with an independent publishing house? Traditional? Kind of tell me a little bit about that. I am publishing through Hiber- uh, this book through Hi- Hibernian Press. Excuse me, I'm stuttering a little bit. <laughs> it's a uh, it is a traditional publishing um, as a uh, publishing house. I have self-published other books in the past. I have an, uh, another book that I'm promoting right now that I co-wrote, which is a historical novel uh, that I'm promoting as a, through self-publishing. But 
I'm not a real social person. People kind of freak me out. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> so the promotional part of it is really hard. Um, and, and with publishing with me, uh, I have to set the, the submission part is the hardest part for me. Yeah. Um, and I set every Saturday from 9 to 11.30 in the morning, I am submitting. And I will submit at least five uh, different places because i mean simultaneous submissions is kind of the name of the game now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i send out to agents and i send small publishers uh, all the books i have publisher all uh, other than the historical novel are all small publishers fantastic uh, and i like using that i mean i don't get a lot of sales but um, but you're published <laughs> i'm published and i like working with the smaller houses because they're actual people. Uh, the big random house, the New York Five houses, they're big machines. And mm -hmm. finding a person in there with whom you can connect is really hard, I've heard. Okay. Perhaps the small publishers. Yeah, there are some down uh, parts of it. But I just like working with people um, on a personal level. I love that. And I love that you, you have a dedicated time working towards submissions because um, – this podcast for me has started out for me looking into what kind of publish, publishing I want to do. I tend to lean towards self-publishing because people freak me out too, but I'm a control freak. So <laughs> <laughs> I would rather be in charge of my own everything, even though I'm finding that I'm limited in what I can do. And that's where I'm finding, you know, that maybe going with a smaller company might be better in the future because they, their strengths that they have that I can you know, collaborate with and where I don't, might not have those strengths like marketing and, you know, publicity. Publicity is so huge for authors and a right. lot of us have to do it ourselves. Most of us are terrible introverts. So that makes it challenging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, working with smaller houses, you still end up doing a great deal of the marketing and uh, promotions and publicity. As with this, I uh, also set aside time every week to say, I'm going to send out three to five uh, requests to do a reading at this bookstore or oh, very good. get on a podcast or to do an interview. Uh, yeah, so, uh, good for you. If I don't set it aside, I don't, the time, I, I it's not going to happen. Super great model. So any of you aspiring authors that are out there and I'm taking that from you, Bill, myself, you know, making sure you set up very specific blocks of time for specific activities because the business of writing itself can be hard finding the time to do it, but it's fun when you do get in there and do it. Right. Right. But the actual business of writing beyond the producing of the words on the paper, that's where it's daunting. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like you said, we tend to be introverts. We sit alone in a room and put words on paper. Yes. Yes. It's very comforting for me to be that way, <laughs> Yeah, but going out and um, getting myself known, it tends to be a challenge. A lot of people wouldn't believe that when they meet me, they all think I'm an um, extrovert. And I've said this on the podcast before. I'm an introvert that has mastered extrovert tendencies so that I can survive in the world. But it doesn't mean I don't suffer on the inside every opportunity that I'm around people. I'm suffering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm the extroverted introvert myself. And for 30 years, I was an actor. And I had no problem getting up on the stage, but once the curtain went down, it's like, don't talk to me. Yep, exactly. And you know what? I do draw a lot when I'm out. So I had a very, I 
I won't say I'm an actress, but I had great acting coach and speech coaches who were actors. And that is where I learned to be incredibly comfortable doing public speaking or going in front of people I don't know. I was terrified to do I was terrified to actually call anybody on the phone. You wouldn't believe that today because 99% of my job at home now is calling students on the phone every day, at least 20 appointments a day. And um, But I couldn't do that prior to learning from my acting coaches and my speech coaches of how to go under the mask. <laughs> and I, right. and I, I tell myself every day, okay, Vicki, you're going to go in the, under the mask to start your day. And it's so true. <laughs> so uh, yeah. great, great tip. So any of you authors out there that struggle with this, find an act, acting coach. It'll, it'll pay off in value for you to get out there and, and promote yourself with acting lessons. So yeah. Okay, so support groups and associations. So, um, Bill, share with us if you are involved with any and and even online associations, because I like to share resources for other um, listeners that are authors. So, are you a part of any face-to-face or um, online associations and support groups? Uh, I'm actually getting back to that. Um, I used to have support group. I had a. I have an MFA in writing. And a bunch of us from grad school were a writing group for a long time, mm-hmm. but then life happened and everybody oh, yeah. went their own way. And I, yeah. Went, yeah. I went about five years of just not doing anything with anyone. And now I'm rebuilding. I'm actually connecting with uh, writers. I have a book coming out in January and I'm connecting with other writers in the area who have published through that uh, uh, same publishing house and got three of us now we're meeting uh again setting up that rigid time of uh, we're meeting for three hours once a month Um, we meet socially outside of that but for three hours once a month we sit together in a coffee shop and do nothing but uh editing or discussing workshopping uh each other's writing so valuable. So I'm super happy that you're getting back with a group to do that. Um, I started my little writing group in my area, but we're, we took the summer off because the summers have been just insane for me and my husband in particular, but everybody else as well. So I'm getting anxious to get started back in the fall because um, I realized how much I missed them. Right. <laughs> Not around. Yeah. So, you know, just having people that we can talk about with, you know, about our editing and about our thoughts about, you know, a work we're working on is so valuable. So good. And maybe you can um, con a couple of those author friends of yours to come on the podcast. We can meet them that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. So let me ask you this one question. Um, What is your inspiration, Bill, for writing and and kind of dovetail on that? What keeps you going when it comes to writing? It, it's kind of funny. I, I People ask me a, a lot of times to say, Bill, why do you write? And I, I, I give uh, smart aleck answers quite often. It's something to do when I, because I suffer from insomnia. It's like, ah, I've got to do something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I write, I started writing as a teen. Um, I As a teen, I was, I, I have, uh, I'm, a mental illness myself uh-huh. and I was uh, actually locked up for two years uh, in the uh, maximum security ward as a teen and I started writing poetry for the same reason any teenage boy starts writing poetry he wants to impress the girls <laughs> and 
but then I had a teacher there who said, Hey, you know what? This is really good. Wow. And uh, then I got out of that situation. I got sober. I went home. I finished high school and I had a teacher there who said, this is really good. And then I went to college and I had a teacher there who said, (laughs) and it was just that chain reaction. And it is uh, after doing this for almost 40 years, I uh, have reached the point of, I can't imagine not doing it. Mm -hmm. If I don't write something every day, Mm-hmm. I get that icky feeling. Uh, it's like I'm something's missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like trying to remember something. How do I put that? You forgot something, but you forgot that you forgot it. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah, and to me, yes, it is compulsive behavior. Um, I do tell myself, you will write something. It used to be 10 years ago. I was like, if I don't write a thousand words a day, I'm not doing my job. And now it is, nope, just write at least one thought or one uh, fragment a day. And sometimes it's 10 words. And other times, like this morning, I was able to crank out 400 words. Oh, wow. Uh, So it was, it happens. Yep. I I don't know if I've said this on the podcast. I can't remember half the stuff I've said. So, but if I have, it's very true. I believe that writing has saved my life. Um, There has been... So many numerous times I look back at incredibly emotional, stressful times in my life. And the one thing that got me out of a dark place where either traveling down towards depression or severe anxiety or um, just not being able to stay on an even keel, the one thing was writing in a journal or starting a new story or um, focusing that energy into something into the writing process. And my husband is amazing because he knows when I haven't written, he knows two things about me. He knows when I haven't gone to the gym and worked out for a couple (laughs) of days because I get really grumpy. And second, he knows when I haven't written enough in the week or in a day because I'm mentally not a happy person. I'm not balanced. (laughs) And, And so I swear writing has saved my life. And I hear that often with other authors. And the thing that's beautiful about writing to me is that it doesn't just save us. We actually can be put in platforms and situations where it might be able to inspire someone else, which is very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that's always nice. And I, I teach some writing classes at my school. The thing with me on writing is the act of writing, the sitting down mm-hmm. and so has saved my life in so many, to use your word, in so many like, immediate crisis is I feel like I'm going to go do X, Y, Z and that would be unhealthy. So no, you're going to sit down and write something. Yep. Yeah. I, but for me, writing is not cathartic. I do write a lot about my mental illness or about mental illness in general and addiction and poverty. I, I like I said, I like the light subjects. <laughs> but they're uh, all important subjects we need to hear about. So <laughs> for me, writing it down does not make it better. It just puts it on a piece of paper where I can now look at that problem from an objective point of view. It is not so much inside me. It's like, oh, this is what it looks like. And I can it's like now I'm dealing with one of my students instead of dealing with myself. Fantastic. I love how you just described that. Very, very good. Because sometimes <laughs> We are in our heads too much and we yep. need 
step out of that. So any human that's listening to this probably knows what I'm talking about. When we think too much, we're in there too much, we have to step out. And writing is definitely a fantastic way of helping us to disassociate a little bit so we can see the big picture. So fantastic. Well, I love the fact that you're writing on those topics. Um, most of my stuff tends, um, nobody's been able to read it yet, but it all starts out with major crisis of um, something happening to someone through poverty or something, you know, something that is life altering. Um, and almost all my characters will be exploring some sort of mental illness in the sense that, you know, they need help from others in a way, shape or form. And they have to accept that help. That's the hardest part, <laughs> is, yeah. you know, so fantastic. I love it. So let's listen to something you've written, Bill. I'm really excited. Um, and so set the stage for us. Tell us a little bit about what you're going to read. Any back um, story you want to add before you start the reading. I'm going to go quiet and sit back and listen with the readers. Uh, the book I'm reading from is titled uh, Comfortable Madness. And like I said, it's got a lot of dream sequences and psychotic episodes and everything else. But it also it deals a lot with sexual abuse. And I'm not going to read anything that is uh, overly um, sexualized. But it is a little bit dark. And the chapter I'm reading from is I write short chapters. I'm trained as a poet. So I try to make my fiction or my prose as poetic as possible. Um, and the chapter I'm going to read from or read completely to you uh, is a, a dream sequence. It's a nightmare sequence from uh, the main character. Uh, the chapter is titled Emergency. Darkness, thick, vast, and utterly absolute. I hung in the void, the edge where flesh met world blurred. I hung there and waited for the universe to explode into sound and motion. I hung there for an eternity, and then it happened. And when it happened, I jerked. Everything jumped at once. Then the sounds of the world flooded through. There were voices, no words, but the hum of too many people talking at once. Machines tapped out rhythms. Wheeled carts clacked on, on hard floors. Colors unfolded in my eyes. I tried to turn, but something held me down. Slowly, I opened my eyes, and I knew where I was. I was in the emergency room. Acoustic tiles stretched from wall to wall. No windows, only fluorescent light. Leather cuffs held my wrists to my side, my ankles to the bed frame. Taylor's voice rolled over me. There she, you are, she said. She leaned in over me. Lines ran out from the corners of her eyes. Her lips were thin and too pale. I turned away. Shame filled the hollow bones hollow spots in my bones it soured my stomach what do you remember taylor asked i died you didn't die she said okay you know he's not real she said can i have my hands back i asked a frown creased her mouth she looked out at the hall i need to pee butter please she looked unsure for a moment before working on the buckles. Leather separated, I rose slowly and stumbled into the bathroom. It was all pale walls and porcelain. Metal knobs stuck up from the sink. A call button hung from the wall, waiting for something awkward to happen. I sat there, alone, scared, sad. Taylor tapped on the door. I wasn't ready yet, but I couldn't keep hiding. Kayla stood near the bed. Nerves rattled. Breathing deep, moving slowly, 
I sat in the chair in the corner and put my head in my hands. You okay, Taylor asked. I put her head, she put her head against mine. Her breath tickled the little hairs on my neck. I wanted to go home. I wanted to get out of here. I'm sorry, I said. She, we sat together and the silence folded over us. The weight of her eyes was more than I could take. I'm okay, I said. Are you? I held my breath. I will be. Really? The anger came back, glittering in the air between us. I swallowed and shivered. Yeah, Taylor said. I thought so. So, yes, the main character's name is Butter, and Taylor is her girlfriend in that. Oh, beautiful. Fantastic. And I was transported in that very moment. So brilliantly done. <laughs> Thank you. Bill, why don't you share with us real quick before we go, any tips you might have for aspiring authors like myself? <laughs> what, what are your three tips for us as we're working our way through this journey? Uh, sit down, write, walk away, come back, write again. Words are perfect. It's the order you put them in that makes them magic. Oh. So just keep doing it. Uh, favorite poets, and he was one of my professors in grad school. He says, allow yourself to write bad words uh, or bad stories. Oh, Sometimes yeah. writing yeah. sucks. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. I, bo- I love both those. Do you have any more? First, you're really great at these tips. So I want one more. Sometimes the well goes dry. So take a day, maybe two, and let it refill. Sometimes you just got to walk away. Fantastic. I am taking those all off of this podcast and putting them on a sticky note by my computer. So thank you, Bill. You're inspiring to me. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I look forward to when you maybe have another book out, we'll bring you back on. How's that? Thank you. That'd be great. Awesome. Great. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hoped you loved hearing from the author as much as we did. If you did enjoy the author, make sure you find them on social media buy their book and write a review. Are you a published author and would like to be featured on the podcast? Visit us at our website to learn more. You can help support the production of this podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Share the podcast with your friends and most importantly, become a supporter. Supporters receive monthly bonus podcasts and a newsletter filled with tips from our authors. To find out more how to become a supporter, visit our website. And finally, I hope you always remember to enjoy the journey. Until next week, this is Vicki J. Carter saying goodbye.